Well, if you're happy or safe, can you say amen? Amen. amen? amen. It's good to see everybody. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Uh, I'm thrilled that my friends from Dunkin' Donuts are here. There's a whole row of them back there, and we are so happy to have them here. I want you to make sure that you uh, greet them and uh, say howdy to them before they get out of here, okay? It's important. They're really good friends, and they're good workers. Uh, I'm telling you, Paige does an excellent job down there, and so does Joanne and Addie and Emma and all these folks. And, of course, Evan is, is the head honcho down there, you know. <laughs> He's the boss man now, you know. But anyway, he does a great job, and we, we just thank God for these folks coming. Actually, this all happened because Paige and Addie came to me one day and said, Pastor Lewis, what are you preaching again? Now, they asked me. I didn't ask them. And I said, well, I don't know. Whenever Pastor Holmes has me, I, I will preach. And they said, well, the next time you preach, you let us know, because we want to come and hear you. And I said, okay. And just a few days later, Brother Holmes called me and said, hey, preach. You got any free time in December to come speak for me? Now, you know, it's like God's planning something, you know? And I said, uh, well, yeah, I can come. I, I can preach. He said, well, what night? And I said, well, let me check with them to see what night they can come. <laughs> and they told me they could come on the 17th. And so I told the preacher, I said, the 17th. He said, fine, let's just do it. The 17th, that night we'll have it and we can have Duncan. Now, Paige was expecting when I went down to the Dunkin' Donuts to do a little work. She was expecting, and uh, she was uh, working and expecting, and uh, the little baby was coming. And I said, Paige, we're going to be praying for you, hon. We're going we're to really hold you up in prayer. We want that baby to be born and be born properly. And she said, thank you. That baby's with us tonight. Remember how I used to, as pastor some six years ago, when a baby was here, what I did? Come on, Paige, bring that little one up here. I haven't done this for a long time. My daughter said, Dad, don't you dare drop that baby. <laughs> Be careful. And I said, I promise I will. Come right up here, Paige, right over here. Look at that little doll. Wow. Uh, Paige, I want you to get in the microphone and introduce the little one to us, since I don't know her name, and how big she was when she was born. Uh, this is Josie, and she was six pounds, six ounces. Six pounds. Okay. Now, the idea is I hold her. <laughs> Will she cry or not? Hi, sweetheart. Okay, let's go over here. Now, I, I want to show you. Here's what I used to do, right? Okay, this side. you got to do your ahs and oohs. I got to hear it. Okay, this section. Yeah, this section. Oh, no trouble. And this section. Ah, yeah, boy, we did this. Every time somebody had a baby, we would do this very thing. I got to looking. I found a, a little thing I'm going to give to you tonight from a preacher friend of mine, David Dykes, uh, about gifts for Christmas, and what would you say and do if you didn't like a gift that you got? I'm going to talk about that in just a minute, but when I was looking back at that material, that was 14 years ago, Kayla Toon was dedicated to the Lord. Can you believe that? 14 years ago. This little girl is named Josie. Isn't that neat? Thank you, honey. You may be seated. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Well, that's a good little baby. Amen. Well, we're so glad that you are here, and I'm glad my Dunkin' Donut friends are here. And as soon as I got to uh, back to greeting them just a little bit ago, one of them said, so you're, uh, what did you say it was, Pastor Donut? I said, now where did you hear that? And David Wyrick just walked out. <laughs> so you know what he did, right? He said, yeah, Pastor Donut. <laughs> anyway, we're glad you're here. I, I looked up the word rejoice. My, my title of my message is Rejoice, the New Has Come. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you know what the word rejoice means? Well, I, I Googled it so I could find out for sure. Feel or show great joy or delight. That's what the meaning is, all right? The synonyms are something like this, gladness, elation, cheer, jubilation, rapture, delight, exuberance, glory, celebration. Boy, those are really neat words, aren't they? All right, Lynette, if you'll come to the piano, please, if you will. I want you to turn to page 245 just real quickly. We're going to have a little, see if we can do what rejoice means. Now listen, folks, look at me. You can't sing rejoice like, rejoice, rejoice, amen, you have. That doesn't work. The word says elation, cheer, jubilation, rapture. Delight, exuberance. You guys say, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Some of you are looking at me really squirrely. All right. What? 245. Let's stand together. Come on. It goes with my message. Rejoice. Rejoice. Do we understand? The new, the new has come. Rejoice. Now we sing it, everybody. Come on. Lift it up. Ready? Here we go. Watch me now. Rejoice. No, not the chorus. I just want the chorus. Just a refrain. Woo. Hard to get good help. Rejoice. That's all I want. I just want nothing else. I just want us to learn how to rejoice, right? Here we go. Rejoice. Rejoice. Amen. Good. Can you do it better? Come on, come on, come on. Can we do it better? Here we go, everybody. Come on, rejoice. I want you to hear it loud in that piano. Ready? Here we go. Together. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel. I Amen. Thank you. May be seated. Rejoice, the new has come. I'm going to ask a question. Don't you just love Christmas? I love it. I just tell you, it's a wonderful time of year. Not just because of presents, but presents makes it fun. But I love Christmas. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm just curious. How many of you open presents Christmas Eve? How many of you open Christmas presents on Christmas Day? How many of you open presents 
Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. <laughs> okay, that's good. I kind of like that myself. <laughs> uh, I, I suppose it never happened to you. Probably never did. But suppose that you got a gift that you didn't like. What do you say? What do you do? <laughs> well, David Dykes sent me a list of 10 things. I'm not going to list 10 things. I'm going to give you five of them. You get the package in your hand and you open it up and you say, well, 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 what do you know? That's one thing you could say. Or you could say, I've always wanted one of these. Jog my memory. What's it called again? <laughs> or you could say, I promise you, I'm going to find a special place for this. <laughs> or, I really don't know how to thank you. And the number one thing to say when you open a Christmas gift that you really don't like, I don't deserve this. <laughs> you know, not all presents, however, are worth appreciating. Probably that's so. Do you hear about Jim, Bob, and Bubba? Now, some of you may remember this. I told it 14 years ago. <laughs> some of you don't remember it, if I even told it last week. I understand. <laughs> Jim Bob was talking to Bubba one day. And Jim Bob said, hey, Bubba, what you getting your wife for Christmas? Well, she said she'd either like to have a diamond necklace or a new four-wheel drive Jeep. Well, what'd you get her? Well, so I thought about it. I got her a two-carat diamond necklace. Jim Bob said, whoo, two-carat diamond necklace. That's pretty expensive, Bubba. How'd you decide on the necklace? Bubba said, because you can't buy a fake Jeep. Some of you get that a little later. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter number 5, 16 and 17, please. Of course, the most valuable gift ever given was when God the Father gave his son, Jesus Christ, Amen. for our sins. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And there was nothing fake about that gift. Right. Amen. It was... Genuine love gift. When Jesus came into the world, he made all things new. The title of this message is Rejoice, the New Has Come. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. If you'd just follow me, please. 
Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Father, we love you. Give me wisdom behind this sacred desk. Thank you for the opportunity to preach. Bless the folks who are here. Give us good listening skills. Give me good speaking skills. And touch our lives tonight. Help us to use the altars tonight for your glory. We want our lives to change. Help us, oh God. We're, we're fighting some things inside of us. And we all know we have difficulties. Help us to bring those things to an altar tonight and give them to our Savior. Use us, oh Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Christmas, honestly, is a happy time, correct? It's a happy time, or it should be. Because everybody likes to uh, get something new, you know, new clothes, new toys, new gadgets, eh, yeah, new bills, I understand that. Somebody said uh, December is jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. January is jungle bills, jungle bills, jungle all the way. <laughs> it's about the truth, amen? Just about it. Got to thinking about this message I want to give you four things tonight, four new things that have come as a result of Jesus being born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. Number one, would you just jot this down? I'm going to ask you about this question, so I want to hear it back to me in just a moment. Jesus set a new standard for measuring time. Jesus set a new standard for measuring time. Uh, the timing of the birth of Jesus Christ was not an accident. God planned it from the foundation of the world. The Bible says, look at Galatians, it'll be on the board. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. It was a plan by God from the foundation of the world. Many of the Old Testament prophets had predicted the coming of the Messiah and many details about his life and his death. But not only is the timing of the birth significant, but since the coming of Jesus, civilization measures time based upon his birth. Anytime you see, for example, B.C., what does that mean? Before Christ. What does A.D. mean? In the year of our Lord. And so uh, suddenly we, we had time calculated because of B.C. or A.D. in the year of our Lord. However, there has been a move in our generation for about a century now where the, they don't want to have B.C. and A.D. any longer. I honestly think it's because of our wicked ways that we live and how we're trying to do with the Bible. But uh, when, uh, when the, the time came uh, for Jesus to be born, uh, Mary and Joseph and the rabbis didn't say, okay, you're 1 B.C. or No, you're 1 A.D. They didn't say either one of those things. You know why? Because it wasn't set up at that point. Not until about 525 uh, A.D. The Roman monk uh, is the guy who, who actually put all that together. Uh, some of us don't understand that, don't realize that, but it happened. Uh, they established a new dating uh, time in the Roman Empire. Uh, the new system was based on the birth of Christ, and the spread went throughout the Europe, uh, and it was widely accepted uh, in the 15th century. Now, since the Renaissance, it has been uh, most utilized, the dating system has, the biggest in the whole world. Right. However, until the 20th century came, 
And now we're trying to be different. Uh, you may not be aware of it over the past century, but there's been a deliberate attempt to change B.C. and A.D. Uh, it's an infectious spread of secularism in the United States of America. And so now they want to call, to call it the common era, C.E. Uh, I'm kind of upset about that. I don't like that. Uh, I don't like folks trying to change, but it's all about the Bible. They want to change the book. They don't want to recognize Christ as being the dominant figure in our history. But Jesus Christ actually set our society up in almost in two ways. Uh, you, you know, with his birth. Before Christ, these things happened. In the year of our Lord, after his birth, these things happened. So it's, it's a wonderful thing. But uh, there's a man, his name is Louis Gephardt. He pointed out that those who yelled the loudest about uh, the Constitution doesn't say anything that mentions the Lord. We ought to take all these signs down that talks about the Lord Jesus and in, in God's name. And, 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 you know, there's a big thing about that everywhere. Trying to take all that and change every bit of that. But he must have forgotten that the words of our original U.S. Constitution says, adopted September the 17th, 1787 in the year of our Lord. Isn't that awesome? Amen. You know why? Because he was right. And our founding fathers clearly were referring to the Lord when they dated our Constitution. Wow. The point of this whole thing, that little first point is simply this. The coming of Jesus Christ into the world was so earth-shattering that his birth and his life have established a new standard of time. It didn't really matter to me. Uh, when you sign your checks for uh, 2024, just as long as you have James Lewis, the receiver of that check. That's all. Okay, how you do it. But <laughs> anyway, uh, honestly, it doesn't matter to me whether it's B.C., A.D., or C.E., or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. But I kind of like to stay with a book. Before Christ... And A.D. in the year of our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus established a new standard for time. Number two, Jesus gives us a new understanding about God. One of the many prophecies about the coming of Jesus is found in Isaiah. Look on the screen, please. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14. It says this, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now go with me to the New Testament, the book of Matthew, chapter number 1, and verse 23. It says almost the same thing, if you look at it. Uh, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, before Jesus, God had always been so unapproachable. Uh, so he told Moses, anybody who even looks on God, would perish, would die. But with the birth of the son to a virgin, for the first time in history, God became Emmanuel, God with us. Now, of course, God had always been with his servants. He was with Abraham when he went to Ur. He was with uh, Moses when he started to lead the children to Canaan. He was with Joshua when they entered Canaan. Uh, so, you know, 
but literally, he was not with man. He was with man, but not literally. He took on human flesh, though. And he could be seen. Jesus could be touched. Jesus could eat. Jesus could talk to you. He was with us. I mean literally with us. And then he could die like he did. But God had spoken like thunder from Mount Sinai to Moses. But when that little infant baby Jesus uttered that first cry on that morning, it was the first time that God had actually spoken through human lips. You think about that. God now is with us. Literally. In John chapter 14, verse number 8, Philip said something that's very important as well. Look at this verse, please. Uh, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. I want you to go down to John chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 2. By the way, if you had looked at Jesus when he was here on planet Earth, you probably wouldn't have thought he was God either. Do you understand that? You, he was just plain, wasn't he? He was just another man. Now, nobody would have said, oh, that's God. He appeared as an ordinary man. In fact, Isaiah 53, verse 2, said he had no beauty, no majesty. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. He's just like another man. You wouldn't have known he was necessarily Jesus by just the look. I think as we think about that, uh, he had no beauty, no majesty to attract uh, us to him, nothing in his appearance. Uh, Jesus wasn't born with a crown on his head, a silver spoon in his mouth. There wasn't anything about his physical appearance that would tip you off about him being God in the flesh. And Charles Wesley actually found it and said it in a, in a song. Uh, he expressed in the words, Jesus was veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. What a wonderful song and wonderful truth that is. Uh, you may think, well, pastor, listen, if Jesus was Emmanuel and he was with them over 2,000 years ago, well, then he's no longer here, right? He's gone. He's no longer, God's no longer with us. We have, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you and I who live in this day and age have something better. Yeah. Amen. Yes, we do. We have something so much better. In John chapter 14, if you will go there, please, and look on the screen one more time. We have something so much better. In John 14, uh, there he was uh, sending the Holy Spirit, verse number. Let's go to verse, can you get 15, 15, 16, and 17? I, I, I just uh, decided I need to have that as well. Look at verse 15. Uh, we're talking about the spirit of truth. And the world can't receive the spirit of truth. You know, that's what the scripture says. Because it seeth him not. Let's look at verse 15 though. If you love me, what does Jesus say? If you love me, what's he say? Keep my commandments. Now verse 16. Then he said, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may, listen, that he may abide, what's it say now? With you 
forever. Now go to verse number 17. Look at this verse. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, for you know him, uh, for, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you. And then he says, and he shall be in you. You know what's so good about the Holy Spirit of God? The Holy Spirit of God is not some essence outside here. He actually lives in you when you get saved, when you trust him. Jesus Christ comes into your heart and your life, and he begins to live inside of you. And it's going to change you. You'll find that out in just a moment. It's going to change your whole life. It's going to change it. Because he's going to live in you. So the only truth that's more glorious than God with you is Christ in you, Amen. the hope of glory. Wow, rejoice. The new has come. Jesus not only gave us a new standard for time, he also gives us a new understanding about God. And then number three, Jesus offers you and I a new birth. Amen. Sometimes you don't hear much about this, but look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. Even around the Christmas time, uh, lots of churches and preachers and teachers don't talk about this sort of thing. But oh, how we need to talk about this. This is so important to life. And every one of us sitting here, every one of us, even if we're saved, we still have difficulties in life. And we still need a Savior. And we still need a helper. And we still need somebody to strengthen us. Oh, we fight so many battles. Preacher, what can I do? I need to change my life or something. I'm not happy like I should be. You know that as well as I do. But Jesus offers you a new birth. What's the Bible say in 1 Peter chapter 1? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From the dead. Boy, what a truth. In John chapter 3, go with John chapter 3 and look at verse 3, 6, and 7 in just a moment. Uh, In John chapter 3, there was a religious man that came to Jesus by night. You know him. His name was Nicodemus. And he came to the Lord. And he was a Pharisee, which means he was uh, really maybe more religious and more morally right, morally pure than even all of us in this room. He was a good man. But Nicodemus, had not repented. He had culture. He had education. But Jesus said, unless you are born again. Look at that verse. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Wow. That means there are some things that we need to understand. Look at verse number 6 and 7, please. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Listen, everybody in this house, everybody listening by radio or on the internet or Facebook, everybody, you must be born again. That's what he said in the scriptures, in the word of God. I've got to be born again. It's so important for me to understand that truth, and for you to understand it. That means that there are two kinds of births then. There is the physical birth, which is the birth of the flesh, and there is the the birth, uh, a new birth, a second birth, which is a spiritual birth. 
It's being born again of the Spirit. I was born one time. You want to know when? So you can buy me a Christmas gift and birthday gift and all that kind of stuff. I was, I was born on April the 2nd. Thank goodness it wasn't the first. April the 2nd, 1947. That's a long time ago. Now, I don't even remember it. I, I don't remember it at all. I had to rely on my mother and my dad. And I have a little paper called a birth certificate. So I remember from that, but I don't have any idea what it was like. But I'll tell you something else. In January of 1960, Amen. George, I was born again. Amen. Preacher, I remember the day. I'm sorry about weeping, but I remember the day. I remember the spot in my church where I knelt as a... 13-year-old boy, and I knelt on that carpet. The place where I was was a, a, an altar that went around like this, and then there were stairs here, and right where that stair went up and that altar met, I prayed right there at that little church in Lima, Ohio, and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin, of rejecting him. That's the sin that sends a man to hell. It's not drinking, smoking, cussing, swearing, and all that. I mean, I don't think you ought to do that either, but that's not what sends a man to hell. What sends a man to hell is not recognizing Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. I prayed and got saved. I remember that day. And I'll never forget that day. That's a blessed day. And every one of you who have been saved, every one of you who finally said, okay, I'm going to take a knee and I'm going to kneel and I'm going to say, dear God, forgive me of my sin. I want you to come into my heart and my life. I want to live with you and I want you to live with me. And someday when I finally die on this planet Earth, I am going to be resurrected someday and live with you forever. Amen. God, that's what I want. I prayed that day that prayer and God saved me. Thank God for that, amen. amen? But you know what? I have a DNA. That means I have genes and chromosomes. I have a DNA, and my DNA matches my parents. I look like my mama, and I talk and act like my dad. Amen. Well, what a contrast that is. <laughs> When I was born again, I was called regened. I got regenerated. Amen. Amen. I received a new nature, the nature of Jesus Christ. Have you ever been born again? Has everybody in this church been born again? Do you know it? Somebody said, preacher, can you be born again and not know it? That's kind of like being married and not knowing it. <laughs> Don't think that'll happen. Amen. Uh, if you're born again, that's a wonderful thing. But I'm going to show you a scripture verse. Look at the scripture verse in Matthew chapter 26, verse 24. It's on the screen. He's talking to Judas. Jesus is. The Son of Man goeth as it is written, 
of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. There's some of us in this room, if we don't get saved, if we don't get right with God, it would be so good if we weren't even born. Hell's an awful place. You need to tell your family and friends, hell's an awful, awful place. If you study it, it's really a bad place. When you're born of the flesh, you are given physical life. When you're born of the spirit, you begin to have eternal life, real life. People are asking all the time, is there life after death? I think a more important question is, is there life after life, after birth? If you haven't been born again, even though you might be alive right now, you're not really living. You hear me? You're not really living. I tell folks that all the time when I'm witnessing, you're not really living if you haven't been born again. It's like folks who say, hey, I got a live Christmas tree. You have a live Christmas tree. Where do you hold Christmas? Out in the orchard? <laughs> you see, <laughs> once we take the tree and we cut it off and we bring it in the house, that tree is no longer alive. It's dead. Now, the only way to keep it alive is to keep it out there in the field in the dirt. Now, if you're having Christmas out in the field, then you can have a live Christmas tree. Once you bring it in the house, cut it off, bring it in the house, it's dead. Oh, by the way, even though it's dead, you can decorate it all up. And it looks even prettier than it did out in the field. You have all the ornaments on it and the lights and the, you know, the garland. You fix it all up. Man, people come by and say, oh, that's a beautiful tree. Yeah, it's a live tree. Well, it's dead. It just looks alive. You know what? There's a lot of dead people who look alive. They've got the world's beauty, the makeup, the jewelry, the nice car, the good clothes. But ladies and gentlemen, you can decorate yourself up as much as you want. But if you don't know Jesus, you're dead. Amen. Last thing. Jesus changes us into a new person. Amen. Jesus set a standard for time. That's number one. What was number two, by the way? He gives us a new understanding about God. Number three, what's the next one? He offers us a new birth. Come on, everybody. And number four, he changes you into a new person. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. Then we're going to go to 23 and 24. Look at this verse. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. There are two gifts in this passage that Jesus gives to his children. First, he gives you a new attitude. Do you know, everybody, if you could teach people about attitudes, attitude will develop into your altitude. Yeah. 
attitude creates the altitude. You begin to think differently. You know, I work at Dunkin' Donuts. Making them donuts. Icing them, filling them, taking them out of the oven. Oh, I've been burnt three times. I have. I had scars on my arm. They're going now, but I had them. Uh, but I was proud of them. I got this at Duncan. <laughs> yeah, it hurts, don't it? Yeah. I got me a Hertz donut. <laughs> You're clever, man. You know. <laughs> but you know, down there, it's, it's as trying as any place else. Yes. You know, I, things are a mess sometimes. And, yes. and they all know that. And, you know, we got to do more than our job sometimes. You know, yes. hey, boss man, I'm doing more than I'm supposed to. Seriously, I mean, I'm supposed to be the baker. I ain't supposed to be scrubbing floors. Amen. He said, right there, you got to say amen real loud. <laughs> you, you know, but life's tough. Sometimes it doesn't go everything that we like. It's the truth. Um, attitude makes a big difference though I could walk in and say here I am again girls here I am this place looks lousy what in the world am I going to do hi pastor they all say hi pastor Lewis they wave at me and all that good stuff I say hi girls my attitude my attitude is not like that is it girls no, it's not, ladies. It's not like that. I walk in. Hey, how's everybody doing? How are we selling? We selling them donuts? Amen. I go to the counter and I look under the donut and I say, okay, okay. How many have we sold here? What have we got here? Okay, okay. Emma said one day, Pastor, what are you doing? I said, just looking the donuts over. I want to see what sells. We ought to make more of what sells. Less of what doesn't. Now, you understand what I'm saying, right? Life's not easy. But your attitude is important. I'm telling you, all the workers down there, we have worked on that. I, I think we really have as a group, and I think we're doing better. Right, girls? I think we are. I think we are. And people are, I get tips now. Wow. In fact, uh, they brought me some tips last night. I worked last night. And Angel, I think it was, she came and said, oh, Pastor, here's your tips. I said, wow, I got tips again? They said, yeah, once in a while we get them. Emma has given me tips, I think. Haven't you, Emma? Yeah, Emma did. I don't know if Paige ever did. She might have kept them. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm the baker in the back, so I never get to see who tips anybody. If they give it to me, it's just by chance, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, this, this is a tip for the baker, but we'll give him that later. <laughs> oh, we have such a good time. Amen. But attitude's important. Yes. Amen. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, your attitude will change your altitude. Amen. Be positive. Amen. 
so important. That's what he talks about here. Your attitude determines your altitude. Based upon Jesus' beatitudes, really. You know what the beatitudes are? Attitudes that ought to be. That's what the beatitudes are. Attitudes that ought to be. The second truth is that I, and I stress this, um, I, I preach a sermon when life crashes. Uh, I stress that we are powerless to change ourselves. Do you realize you cannot change yourself? Everybody understand that? You can't. You can't change yourself. But God can change you. Jesus is able to do that which we cannot understand. And we can't change, but he can change. And he transforms us into the right kind of people. Now, when you think about Jesus transforming and changing us, it's not like a, a how should I say it, a metamorphosis. It's not like a tadpole to a, to a frog. It's more like a frog who's been kissed by the prince. Amen. Jesus comes by with his grace and mercy and love and, and forgiveness and changes us immediately. Have you ever had a life-changing change where he changed you into a new person? If you haven't, you can trust Christ today. And he can make all things new for everybody. You know, today we are saying Merry Christmas. And in a few days we're going to say Happy New Year to everybody. But I'd like to announce tonight that for every lost and dying sinner, you can say you can become a new creation in God. And you can say about yourself, Happy New You. Amen. Amen. Happy New You. Yes. Ladies, will come to the musical instruments, please, if you will. I'm closing. But everybody needs to have a chance to make it right with God. Amen. Everybody can say, you know, preacher, I've got some difficulty and some trouble, some heartache. I don't understand life. Sometimes life just throws me a curveball, and I feel so bad at times. And my life is just not what it ought to be. Well, Jesus Christ can change that. He said you can become a new creation, a new creature in Christ. He can change your whole life. I wonder if you're ready tonight, if you're not saved, to say, dear Jesus, I need to trust you tonight. I need to give you my heart, my life. I'm asking you to come into my life and forgive me of my sin of rejecting you. And make me somebody. Take all the frustration away. Take the agony away. God, give me your peace. Some of you Christians may be suffering with some temptations or some things or aggravations. And I wonder if it's time to say, dear God, I know I'm saved, but I just need your help. I want to be strengthened by the power of God.